Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. Hello, my friends. I'm so excited for you to listen to today's episode. It is another interview with Robert Vander Hayden. He's a resiliency coach who helps people create more energy, better habits. Uh, He talks so much about habits. He's like habit obsessed and I'm here for it and become more resilient through movement, recovery training, and breath work. We re-released his interview from last year, last week, because this conversation really builds on a lot of the principles and practices that were discussed. So make sure that you re-listen to that or just listen to it if you haven't yet, um, because this cold exposure, which is the name of today's game, really builds on the... um, the resiliency that you you create through that specific breathwork style. So I've been so jacked about interviewing him for for this because selfishly, I really wanted to try out cold exposure myself. And I've been sort of tinkering around with it like on and off for the past couple of years. But I'm always like, am I doing this right? Is this doing anything? Um, and as somebody who struggles with Raynaud's, which is, can be considered a circulatory issue, but it's really more of a central nervous system issue. I wanted to pick his brain all about it. And so today I did. And he talks about why it's so important and also how we can do it without investing in like, I don't know, like a $5,000 cold plunge tub for our backyards. But before we begin, I wanted to let you know, this is very exciting. Our buddies at Coyote River Hemp Co. are doing a super special promo just for you all. And what we're doing is giving you 50% off, that's five zero off the 500 milligram CBD tinctures on their website. We'll link it all up in the show notes. You do have to use a new coupon code. It's FUNK50. That runs through today, September 28th through October 1st. Um, there's just been such an uptick, number one, in people asking about CBD. My clients have been using it a lot, folks in your hormone revival. And um, Ryan, the owner of the company, really wanted to support everybody through this like crazy, hectic, stressful back to school time. And so uh, you can try it out at a much lower rate, 50% off, or if you're already using it, stock up. So again, that's the 500 milligram tincture. You can head to their website uh, using the link in our show notes and use code FUNK50. So we thank you so much, Coyote River Hemp Co. We love you. Also, I'm shouting out one of my besties, just opened a brand new smoothie shop in Epping, New Hampshire. 
called The Smoothie Shop. They're at Smoothie Shop NH on Instagram. And I just have to shout her out. This is not a paid sponsor. This is just truly like, I am so stoked to have somewhere local to go eat that uses all organic ingredients. Um, I definitely consulted on some of the ingredients that she used, and I'm just really, really excited and proud. It's on Railroad Ave in Epping, New Hampshire. It's right next to Steamhouse, uh, the yoga and Pilates um, facility. So if you're local, check them out. There's really not a whole lot of place to get well-sourced smoothies around here. And, um, I am here for it. All right. Without much further ado, here's Robert. All right, guys, we're back with Robert. You heard from him last week, all about breath work. Today, we're going to talk about cold exposure, cold therapy. I am so, I've been hearing more and more and more about this. I've sort of tinkered around with it, a little anxious about it. So I want to hear, this is something that Robert does uh, for a living. So I want to hear like really like the full rundown on like what it's all about, why it's good for us. How do we do it? So thank you for joining us again. Well, thank you for having me again. I'm excited. So yeah, so cold exposure training, what does that mean? Um, Basically entails any type of exposure to what feels cold for you. Now in the literature, we would say anything under 50 degrees is what we're really looking for. Uh, But if you're brand new to it and that's way too cold, I would just say, get out of your comfort zone, right? So we kind of live in a culture where we go from air conditioning to air conditioning to air conditioning and we want to be comfortable. Whereas cold exposure gives you that opportunity to work with the environment to become a little bit more resilient. So what does that mean? Uh, That could be a cold shower. That could be uh, jumping into a cold lake or a river. Uh, That could be going outside, like I mentioned, for a walk when it's cold. So whatever you have accessible for us, uh, that could also be cryotherapy, right? So that's what I would kind of, uh, as far as the definition of cold exposure training. Now, why do we want to do it? Uh, There is a list of reasons why, but it boosts your immune system. It can help with symptoms of stress as far as anxiety and depression, reduces inflammation, increases focus and clarity, especially that first couple seconds of jumping in. Um, It boosts your energy for those looking for um, support with fat loss. It can help with that as well. And it ultimately works your circulatory system. So if we think about like low blood pressure, high blood pressure, there's benefits of working that system like you would any other muscle. So those are kind of like the gist or the benefits of cold exposure training. So um, we've been talking a lot about the immune system lately because... Yeah. Yeah. For obvious reasons. (laughs) And I feel like, you know, I've done so many episodes on immune health and Mm -hmm. you you can only talk about the same things over and over and over, but I'm really curious kind of on a personal level, like specifically how does cold exposure and cold therapy help with the immune system? Well, if we think uh, just general, as far as elevated cortisol levels and, um, let's say, um, stress levels in the body. So naturally with cold, if you think of like rolling an ankle, you put an ice pack on it because it helps in inflammation. So this is, think about a full body inflammation ice pack. So that's one part of it. Um, It can help with, another thing is increasing white cell count, right? So the cold exposure does help with that. And one exposure, and the research says anywhere from seven to 10 minutes in total, not one exposure as in sitting in an ice bath for 10 minutes, but think about it as, like rounds of one minute throughout the day. Maybe you take a cold shower in the morning, cold shower in the afternoon. So if you can accumulate that, you can boost that immune system or that white cell count for up to seven days. So if you think about one day of cold exposure, it'll help boost your immune system for over a week. So that's a natural way of helping your immune system. Um, So those are kind of the two main ways that it helps the immune system, plus increasing 
anything that helps with rest and digest, right? If we talk about that parasympathetic state, which a lot of us have trouble switching into, um, increasing dopamine helps us stay in that state of clarity and relaxation a little bit better. Um, so those are kind of the reasons why you should be doing cold exposure. Those are the benefits you get from doing cold exposure as well. I find that, well, I would imagine that when you're, this is like my experience doing like a mm. cold shower, it sort of elicits a stress response like pretty immediately, but then I feel better afterwards. So like kind of what's going on. It's like my body's like WTF what's happening right now. Yeah. So, so there is that, it is a sympathetic response, right? It's stress. Um, but with gradual practice of mind over body in that stress, there's like, it's a controlled stress, right? You're choosing to go into a cold shower. So over time, that's where it kind of elicits the response of I'm okay, I can control my reaction to this stress. And I always use the analogy of we all have different um, settings on our internal fire alarm for stress. And if we can expose ourselves to control stressors over time and practice our tools, right, our breath work, uh, uh, visualization of calming down, then we increase the amount of stress needed to put that fire alarm on. So by practicing the cold exposure, by practicing different modalities from going from sympathetic to parasympathetic, and like you said, yes, there's that initial uh, shot of neuroepinephrine, that adrenaline goes through the body, but then afterwards for about two and a half, three hours, that's where the dopamine release happens. That's where we always feel good after that cold shower. Like we feel so much energy, we feel calm and focused. So that's kind of the the two sides of the same coin. We need that stressor so that we can come down and have that dopamine release afterwards. And I feel like for somebody like myself, who is like, I'm just a stress bunny. That's just like how, you know, like, you know, childhood stuff has kind of like, you know, I have the predisposition to like go into a stress response pretty quickly. And then, at, you know, significant situations in my adulthood mm -hmm. after that, which I think a lot of people can relate to. And I, what, what it sounds like is like doing something like this along with the breath work, it's almost like you're reducing your threshold where, or maybe increasing your threshold is what I should yeah, say. Yeah. You know, so it's like that tripwire of like, oh, now I'm in a stress response. It mm -hmm. doesn't happen as quickly maybe. And I like, it's very similar when you, especially when you have us hold the breath during the breath work. And I'm, mm -hmm. hopefully everybody listened to that last week. So they know what I'm talking about. It's like your body starts to freak out a little bit. Your body's like, Oh yes. my God, this is not okay. This is not safe. Like I'm stressed out. Like this is a bad situation. I'm in fight or flight. And if we can do kind of slip into that mind over matter of like, I'm actually safe right now, then mm -hmm. I, I, it's it, this is my interpretation of it. It kind yes. of like open or uh, stretches out that, that stress container so we can tolerate more. I, I'm in the same boat as far as just, I'm a stress bunny uh, with kids and work and uh, life experiences. And so I totally agree. And one of the things I want to talk about, and Mike goes back a little bit back and forth between practicing the breath work and the cold exposure is think about the breath work as the tools of awareness, right? A lot of people think about breath work as just patterns and ways of meditation, but through practice, you become more aware of your body's signs and symptoms before it forces you to be aware of those signs and symptoms. So that's how I use the breath work. And then the cold exposure gives me an opportunity to practice that, right? So I notice that I have that elevated heart rate, my breathing starts to increase, but I know I have tools to calm that down. So we go from a sympathetic state quicker to a parasympathetic state through focused 
practice. And what that happens is that bleeds into our day-to-day lives. So I notice I have more slack at the end of the day. I notice that I can handle a lot more plates. And I just talked to another client about this. It's less about um, reducing stress because unfortunately we're never going to reduce our stress, but it's more about stress management, about having the tools and awareness of, hey, I have symptoms of an anxiety breakout and I feel it coming. I can feel my heart rate going. So what do I need to do? Well, I know breath work can help me bring clarity and calm me down. But another thing I can do just like exercise is if I expo- expose myself and, you know, we can talk about hormesis or expose myself to something that is very stressful and I use my tools often enough over time, then A, I have an awareness of when uh, anxiety, depression, or these symptoms of stress start to build and B, my tolerance for them increases. And that's what we talked about last time with resiliency. It's a, my ability to bounce back is quicker, right? So I'm not out for one month, you know, woe is me, the, the sky is falling, but I'm like, no, I've been here before. I know what my body does during this situation. And through practice, I've planted a new seed. So instead of the seed of, I need to get away, I need seclusion, other people, it's a f- emotional breakdown. Well, I'm planting a new seed that says that when these symptoms come up, I am okay and I have the tools to manage them. It's not going to get rid of them, right? Like I said, we're not getting rid of stress, but I have the tools now to handle those outbreaks that happen. And we both have responsibilities, right? Stressors that we choose in our life, right? Family, kids, work. But there's also stressors that show up that side like blind us. We don't know that are coming. And I have found through the clients I work with and me anecdotally is the day-to-day stressors I'm able to handle a lot better. My peers, my friends, my family, I notice that I'm more present. I'm more calm during the eye of the tornado, so to speak. And then the life stressors that I don't know it's coming. Uh, Maybe you're losing a job or a loved one. I notice that, yes, I can handle that stress better. It doesn't make it easier, but I know I have the tools that can help me walk that path. And I think that's so such an important thing to underscore because I think, you know, as as a health care practitioner, health practitioner, I oftentimes talk about the negative uh, consequences of chronic stress. And I think that that can be a stressor in and of itself. Like, oh my God, I feel just feel so overwhelmed. Like I know I'm under stress. I don't really know what to do about it. I can't completely obliterate all the stress in my life. And that's never the goal. It, you cannot live in modern world and just totally be done with stress. Like it doesn't work that way. So we have to really pull in tools that are going to help us manage the stress levels in life because right, there's a lot of stressors that we opt into. And then there's a lot of stressors that just kind of like pop up out of nowhere. Like, I don't know, a global pandemic, right? Like we have to, we have to figure out how to navigate these things so they don't completely just, you know, cripple us. Um, so I, this is a really important conversation, but I do want to go back to something that you said, because you Mm -hmm. mentioned fat loss. And I know that people are going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not (laughs) go over that because we, we, uh, can you talk to us about like how cold exposure can help with that? My understanding is that it can sort of, it increases brown fat. That's like my basic limited understanding of how maybe it can help us there. And, and yes, it does. And that goes, that ties into it. So it increases the activation of brown fat. So we have brown fat, but I think early on, especially in my research and education, we always thought that we lost it as adults, right? If you have children, you know, babies have it. And if they lose up to a pound overnight, it's because they don't shiver. They don't know how to shiver. So what happens is they have active brown fat that burns the white fat, creates heat, 
that's what warms them up. So if you think about burning white fat, right, the subcutaneous fat that we all don't like, that's what the brown fat activates. So by practicing cold exposure or exercise, they both activate brown fat, you get that benefit. And through time, brown fat turns white fat into brown fat. So you actually lower your body fat percentage because of that. And it increases metabolism, right? So for anyone who's ever been out in the cold for a while, or if you've practiced cold exposure for any duration of time, you're hungry afterwards, right? And that's because of the increased metabolism. I think it's up to 300%. And so that's what helps with the body composition as far as burning fat is you're actually using it as fuel when you're cold. That makes a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. And then how about, um, I don't know how to like athletic recovery. I feel like there's like a mm-hmm. lot of athletes. I can thinking of Laird Hamilton. I have like a weird infatuation with Laird Hamilton. Always doing his ice baths. Like what's mm-hmm. that about? Is it just to mitigate inflammation or like, what's the purpose of that? So, um, so with Gabby and Laird specifically with their XPT protocols and stuff like that is it's twofold. One, it's about recovery. How do we increase recovery, right? We know as athletes that sleep's really important, mobility, what you eat is really important, but how do we go from a sympathetic state into a parasympathetic state as soon as we can? And so the sooner we get into that, the sooner we're in a in recovered state. And so they use the cold as a practice for that, but also reducing inflammation, right? If you put your body through weekly workouts that are strenuous, yes, we break down tissue and you want that inflammation to help. But as far as the DOMS or the delayed muscle soreness or just like just feeling not well, that's what the cold exposure can help you with as far as uh, recovery from training. Um, Another big part of it, it goes back to just dealing with life stressors is the mind over body that I'm okay. I can get through tougher workouts. I can handle a little bit more. And so you train that through the cold exposure as well. So it's two benefits. One, A, I'm helping inflammation. I'm lowering cortisol. I'm increasing my circulatory system, which could benefit with me healing a lot faster. And B, I'm in the mindset of I'm doing tough things, right? I'm doing tough things. And that's why I'm working out as well. I'm doing tough things because I'm looking to build my resiliency. I'm looking to handle more stress. Let's take a quick break to thank our show sponsor, BioCult. Their boosted product is a multi-strain probiotic, four times the concentration of the original formula, which is why I prefer it. All of their probiotic strains are backed by clinical research. It really makes a great everyday probiotic. I just had somebody on Instagram reach out and say, this stuff has changed me. Thank you. So it's a great product. And the cool thing about it is that there's no need to refrigerate it. So you can take it with you when you're traveling, which I highly recommend because most of our guts get really jacked up when we're off our schedule, when we're traveling, when we're doing things that we don't normally do. So taking a probiotic with you is a good bet. You can give it to your kiddos. Those, uh, the capsules can break apart. You can sprinkle it into yogurt or oatmeal or add it to a drink. This is what I do for Hattie. I put in a little shot glass with a bit of water and she just shoots it down. So head to their website using the link in our show notes, use code funk 15 to save 15% off of your order. Um, there was one thing that I really wanted to chat with you about just because you and I have kind of side had sidebar conversations about Raynaud's. That's something that I experience. Um, uh, there's kind of two different ways you can experience Raynaud's. One is primary. We don't really know the cause of that. The other one is secondary to a, usually an autoimmune illness, which is kind of my, my bag of tricks. Um, I have done a lot of research about this and there's not a whole lot of information and there's not a whole lot of, um, therapies for this, uh, pharmaceutical meds, 
are, tend to lower blood pressure. So if you already have low blood pressure, like myself, it's not a great option. Um, <laughs> and they have a whole other host of side effects too. Yeah. But even things like ginkgo biloba, or there's a lot of uh, like spicy foods that to increase circulation, I haven't really experienced much benefit from them. And, and mm -hmm. it can get pretty gnarly. Um, essentially what happens for listeners who don't know is that the, you know, your, my understanding of it is that it's like the brain perceives a change in temperature as like a real life or death situation. And it's not just cold, cold, cold. It can be any, like I can walk into the grocery store and I lose circulation in my hand. So what happens is the blood vessels in your fingers usually constrict. And so you just totally lose blood flow. So your fingers turn white, they can turn blue, they can turn red. Um, and it's uncomfortable at best. It's painful at worst. And I've noticed over the years that when the blood flow comes back, it actually creates a lot of uh, swelling and pain. So my thought process is this. And I'm kind of like out on my own here, but if it's a decision that the brain is making to respond to cold or change in temperature, as though it was a stress, a really like life or death situation, really stressful situation, perhaps cold exposure, even though it seems very counterintuitive, perhaps cold exposure could help my body sort of, or teach my brain that, Hey, we're okay here. Actually, it's not that stressful. Um, and anecdotally I've I've heard and I've spoken with people that have used cold therapy as a way to reduce their Raynaud's symptoms. And I know you have too. So can you talk mm -hmm. to us a little bit about your experience with that? I know it's minimal, but I think yeah. if, if somebody's struggling, any, any help is good help. For sure. Uh, so the first part is I do have a couple of clients that have suffered through pretty severe symptoms of this. Uh, and so anecdotally with them working with them, first off, it's going to be a gradual cold exposure. So for them, sticking their hand in a bucket of ice was too severe, right? The symptoms, the onset was too strong. And so we started with just going for a walk when it's cold out, right? So that's, a, that's cold exposure. Eventually, they worked up through time to being able to finish their day with a cold shower. Uh, and so that's one part. The second part is actually using the breath work to help dampen the pain response, right? So that they can handle the cold exposure training a little bit better. So I always tie both in. So when they did their practice of cold exposure, I made sure they did breath work prior to it, which allowed them a little bit longer of a duration than they could probably normally handle. And then through time, through practice, um, they've noticed that they could handle the symptoms. They weren't so severe when they when the symptoms did come and they had tools to handle the, the pain, especially the swelling afterwards. Uh, so that's my experience with them. Now it doesn't work for everyone. And just like all these tools that we are talking about as far as dealing with stress management, your goal is to practice as many as you can to find what works best for you, right? So that's kind of my experience right now and um, kind of the stories I hear from my clients that are dealing with them. And that's on top of of course, changing their, their nutrition profiles and making sure they're doing everything for recovery. But like you mentioned before, if it's, if it's the brain's response, um, if we could work on the tools that the brain uses, such as our, our nervous system, as far as sympathetic, parasympathetic, if we work on our circulatory system to be a little bit more robust, hopefully that helps with how strong the onset of symptoms occur, happen. This episode is brought to you by Organifi, and I have an exclusive offer for you. In addition to 20% off all Organifi products using our unique code FUNK, F-U-N-K, for the month of September, you also receive free 
shipping. So if you've been using Organifi powders and loving them, now is the chance to stock up. If you've never tried it before, great time to do so. You can check out their Sunrise to Sunset Power Bundle. This is three of their best sellers. So you have the gold, which is a turmeric blend. You can make golden milk. You have the green juice, and then you also have the red juice, which is a mix of different uh, berries and beets and good things like that. Might I also recommend throwing in some immunity powder super great for the back to school season. So check them out, Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. Use code FUNK to save 20% and get free shipping through the month of September. And before we get into like the how to's, cause you said mm-hmm. something like doing breath work before cold, cold exposure. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Cause that's something I haven't thought about. So before we get into like the, how to try this out, um, Can you speak a little bit more about circulation in general and how this, my understanding, it's kind of like it creates this pumping action. And I know that some folks even, I mean, it's kind of a luxury to have uh, access to a sauna and like a cold plunge at the same time. But I understand that like people can kind of alternate between the two as a way to like kind of get that pumping action going. Yeah. So if we think about your circulatory system, um, first off, if you were to take your circulatory system out of your body, it would wrap around the earth about two and a half times. So it's a very long, robust system. And unfortunately, like I mentioned before, if we're, we have a tendency to be in comfort most of the time, we don't work that circulatory system, be it hot or cold. So by using environmental exposure training, that's why uh, I kind of call cold and hot training or contrast training, you get a very, very strong stimulant as far as a workout for that circulatory system because you get the vasoconstricting from the cold, which kind of slows down the blood flow. And then you get the vasodilation from the hot, which increases the blood flow. So over time, your circulatory system becomes stronger, right? And with a stronger circulatory system, the benefits as far as managing low or high blood pressure is there through that practice. So that's how the cold does it. It's just kind of submerging cold. That's why it shunts the cold blood to the extremities because of vasoconstricting. And then if you get out and you just warm up in the sun, that's already going to dilate, right? That's already going to increase it. But if you want a stronger dosing, then you definitely go from sauna to cold to sauna to cold. But that would be the equivalent of me giving you kind of an advanced workout versus like a beginner's workout would just be 15 seconds of a cold shower, warm up on your own. Like that would be the the difference between the two. Okay. That's, that makes a lot of sense. And I I just don't, I I feel like the circulatory system is an unsung hero. We don't really talk about it that much. It's not very sexy. It's not very glamorous, but in my line of work, I see a tremendous amount of GI dysfunction and, you know, issues with the gut. And it's like, if you don't have appropriate circulation and appropriate blood flow to your gut, like you can do, you know, you can mainline glutamine all day long, like you're not going to fix your gut. So circulation is very, very important. I feel like we have to put it into terms that's going to like grab people's attention. Like, Hey, gut health, you shitting your pants, yeah. like make sure you work. <laughs> just circulate. Yeah, exactly. You, you could purchase the most expensive car out there, but if you don't have a path to drive on and you put in poor gas, it really doesn't matter. Right. So just because you're adding all this extra stuff for gut health or any kind of, uh, chronic inflammation issue that you may have, you know, think about the pathways that get there, right? The circulatory system is kind of that unsung hero. And it's because, and, and the funny thing is, and we'll talk about this as far as the practical application of this is when I teach cold exposure training and I teach breath work, unfortunately, the science is there, the benefits there, anecdotal stories are there, but it almost seems like it's too easy as far as the breath work. Cold exposure is uncomfortable. So what happens is it gets put to the last thing we do 
at the end of a very long day. And unfortunately, what happens is it gets put off. And I always tell clients that hey, if you're responsible for family and work and, and clientele and employees, you need to take care of yourself first. And that's where boundaries around self-care are really important. And breath work doesn't need to be 40 minutes. It can be two minutes of making coffee and having that awareness. Cold exposure doesn't need to be 38 degrees and dunking yourself for 10 minutes. It can be going for a walk when it's cold out and letting yourself feel cold, letting yourself get hot when it's hot out. So all those little training sessions over time, that's what builds that resilience. That's what builds that practice around self-care. I love the idea of boundaries around self-care. That's so huge. And I think it's just helpful to hear it coming from a parent. You have three children, correct? Three, three kids. Yes. And with lots of post-it notes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, youngest, no, uh, yeah. So even with my practice, my youngest is two. They understand when they see the post-it note on the door. Uh, my youngest is funny because she'll say, oh, <laughs> like, yep, I'm doing my breath because that's, she doesn't have a lot of words, but that's what she says. And so she knows it. And as a parent, right, dealing with stress, I know as the head of the household, right, with my wife is if I am calm and I'm collected and I'm present, our kids become calm collected and present. If I am stressed, if I'm anxious, my kids are anxious, right? And so with my three girls, they also, they, the, one of the challenges is they deal with a lot of eczema. And I notice when their stress goes up, that eczema flares up pretty strong. So we practice breath work. They practice cold exposure too, but no, I don't put them in an ice bath that I go into. They finish their showers with cold showers right? And they go for a walk outside. I don't put a sweater on them when it's cold. I let them play in the cold until they come to me saying, you know what? It's a little too cold. Well, great. Now we put on the sweater, but I let them be in the environment, which is too hot, too cold. I let them practice the same protocols I practice because I know as an adult, I'm barely handling it with the tools I have. So if I could pass that on to my kids who are going to inherit the world that we're creating, my goal is to give them as many tools as possible around stress management. That's exactly how I look at it. I mean, when it comes to just nutrition, you know, um, um, emotional health for my kid, um, mm -hmm. you know, all these things that we do, it, it's like, I want to give my child a fighting chance at a, an appropriate immune system in a world that is like fighting an uphill battle to do that. Right. People are like, Oh, yeah. but doesn't she feel weird? Cause she has to eat different foods. I'm like, I am the nutritional gatekeeper. I, I am responsible for her health. So mm -hmm. I have to make these decisions to give her a fighting chance. You know, it's not anyway, I'm sure we could talk about like the whole parenting approach for a while, yeah. but yeah. I'm, I'm a hundred percent right there with you. And I, I also think too, it's like, you know, it, maybe like the cold, uh, you know, like the ice baths and things like that might seem a little like, I don't know, crazy or cockamamie, but we're, we're living in a, a very unnatural environment. This climate control is not what our genetics are used to. It's like that concept of an evolutionary mismatch. I talk about it a lot from a food perspective, but like the way that we live our lives in these, like, you know, this climate control, that's not normal either. So we kind of have to do these, you know, these uh, different interventions and modalities in order to mimic the way that we used to live, the way that our genetics are, are sort of predispositioned to. And it actually supports your genetics and your body to heal itself, right? So when we take away what we were naturally made to experience, we take away the opportunity for that adaptation to occur. And if we do that long enough, that's when we start seeing these chronic things being passed down. So for us, that means 
getting outside as often as we can, letting whatever happens happens to our bodies, and then using protocols to bring us back to kind of homeostasis. And through that practice over time, we become more resilient. And the funny thing is we talk about resilient today because we do have a lot more stressors, yes, but we're also shying away from a lot of being uncomfortable, right? Like we don't do the hard workouts. We don't uh, stick with a nutrition plan long enough to see that seed prosper because we're always looking for a quick fix. We're always looking for the next quick thing. But unfortunately, like evolution, it takes time, right? It takes a focused practice. It takes surrendering to it. So when I work with clients, especially clients around really strong triggers around stress, we start slow, low, and we do it often enough that it becomes a subconscious habit. And that's with breath work and cold exposure. It's about putting it into a focused practice, right? We're going to sit down and do 20 minutes of breath so that I'm hoping throughout the day when my body naturally reacts to a stressor, it has the default breathing patterns to calm me down. I don't need to be like, okay, what's the pattern? I need to calm down now. It's because I'm doing a focused practice regularly that I'm taking a focused practice and putting it into a subconscious reaction. Right. And same thing with the cold exposures. If I do enough cold and heat and it's uncomfortable and I use my tools and protocols to get through it, then when I'm out in the world and there are these big stressors, my body can self-regulate, so to speak, a lot better than it did before. Oh my God. I love everything you just said. So let's give people some places to get started. Cause maybe, you know, not everybody has like an ice bath in their backyard. <laughs> Maybe, nor, I don't nor, know. Nor do you need to, right? Nor than you should. Um, so as far as the lowest hanging fruit, um, hopefully everyone showers. And so if you have a shower, that's the easiest exposure. Um, and that goes to a point of, I also want to talk about how to shower. And what I mean by that is if we think about habits, right? If we think about triggers, a lot of us, the shower at the end of the day puts us into a parasympathetic state right? It's what we look forward to, especially as a parent, like it's four walls. It's my time. That's why I take a 20 minute hot shower, right? Because this is my time to unload and relax. Now, the problem with that is if I'm trying to implement a stress protocol into something that's supposed to be relaxing, you won't stick with it. It's impossible, right? Because you've created a habit around that practice of relaxation. So I'm really big into environmental triggers, noticing that there's some areas that are a little bit more promoting for relaxation, like let's say your bedroom, than traffic, right? And so understanding those environmental triggers, we can then implement protocols that support what we want. So it's always about stimulus and response. So if the response I'm looking for is relaxation, and at the end of the day, I'm trying to take a, a hot shower to get there, I don't want my clients to take a cold 15-second shower at the end, even though there might be a benefit to start. And what I mean by that is eventually that would be ideal because it does help with, like I said, that dopamine release, getting you into a restful state to sleep better. But for a lot of people that are using that as a relaxed time, I tell them to take a hot shower first thing in the morning. I mean, a cold shower first thing in the morning. And the reason being is there's no trigger or a relationship between relaxation and cold showers in the morning or showers in the morning. So we start there. And then eventually work into an eating routine so they're not taking two showers a day. Another way you can do it is just extremity training. A bucket, cold water, stick your hand into it. Use your protocols to calm down. Have that, that reaction in the hand feeling cold using your tools. And that's another way to do it. I use it with a lot of elderly too, right? That may not be ready for a full cold shower. They can still do extremity training with their hands or their feet. Um, and then we mentioned it earlier in the talk, go for a walk. When it's cold out, let it be cold. Right? If it's 40 degrees out, put on some running shorts and a t-shirt, 
use your breath, right? So through the breath, we warm up both through the brown fat adipose tissue or the brown fat activation, but also through breath work, right? Using those intercostal muscles in your rib cage, doing the breath will actually create heat. So that's another reason to practice the breath work in the cold is you create heat. You're able to warm up on your own. So those are kind of the, the two areas, the cold shower, three areas, cold showers, extremity training, and just going out on a cold day and going for a walk. Those are kind of where I would start. And then if you live in the city and you don't have time and it's really hard on a full pack schedule is cryotherapy. If that's accessible to you, then great. Two to three minutes, you're in and you're out. Right. So those are kind of like what I recommend for people before they get into kind of do it yourself, ice chest hacks or investing a lot of money into a cold plunge. So there's a way to do it. I think at the end of the day, it's just about what can you do that causes you to get slightly uncomfortable with temperature and then use your breath to calm down. Right. So if that's a shower, if that's a walk, then do so. So that's kind of the protocols I'd recommend. Okay. That sounds, that sounds easy enough. So let's say I want to start this, um, doing like a cold shower in the morning. Is it like, am I mm-hmm. jumping in and just doing all cold or am I starting hot? Like walk me through what it, okay. I'm going to I'm going to start it. I'm going to do that. Okay. Tomorrow. Excellent. So I think it really depends on, um, your personality type first off as far as trying new things trying difficult things getting through difficult things so ideally we are looking for a reaction right we're looking for a response from the stimulus and for some people and i use the pool analogy if it's a cold pool some people put their toe in then their foot then their knee then their hip others just jump right in so if you're the jump right in person then just have a cold shower turn it to cold right have that um, mindset of I'm going to step into this cold and it's going to be cold. My body's going to do what it does and I'm going to calm down using my breath, right? So you're in there. If that's 10 seconds, if that's 30 seconds, if that's eight minutes, whatever it takes you to have that mental shift from fight or flight to relax, right? Sympathetic <laughs> to <sighs> that's long enough. As soon as you can make that switch, you've done your training, you get out for others. They need to do the pinky toe, big toe, foot. So start warm and then, you know, 15 degrees, a little bit colder, a little bit colder, a little bit colder until finally it's cold, right? And you're going to see that reaction, that stimulus start to get stronger and stronger using your breath to calm down. But the goal is to eventually do whatever works best for you that you can keep consistent with the practice. Because I can give you what I do. I can give you what I think works with a lot of clientele, but based on their environment, based on their schedule, based on what they're comfortable with, they won't stick with it. So do something that you know you can start with and build upon. So if that's hot shower in the morning and then the last five seconds cold, great. Do that three days a week. Then that builds to four days a week. Then that builds to five days a week. Then that builds to 10 seconds. And that builds to 30 seconds and that builds to 45. So the key thing about cold is it needs to be gradual. And the reason it needs to be gradual is we're not only training your body, we're training your mind that you're okay. So yes, we want a stimulus of a stressor, but we don't want the, oh no, oh no, oh no, WTF, I need to get out of here stressor, right? Uh, That I kind of say for workshops, just to show you where the polars are at. But as far as a day-to-day practice, and I'm big on habits, habit forming is we need to find the lowest hanging fruit, something that we can do that already fits in our schedule versus adding to our schedule. So to answer your question, as far as, you know, what's the practice, either straight cold or gradually warming up to that, gaining control of the self, having that 
delay from stimulus and reaction to like, no, I'm okay. I'm going to start slowing my breath down. I noticed my heart rate starts to slow. That's the end of my cold exposure. I'm done. Awesome. That's so helpful. Um, do you find that there's any benefit to doing kind of like a hot, cold rotation in the shower to like, so maybe I can only, uh, tolerate 10 seconds, but what if I went back to hot and then jumped back into another 10 seconds? Yeah, that would be very similar to what we mentioned before, as far as like sauna and cold plunge. So contrast therapy, you can definitely do hot, cold, hot, cold, but just like those kind of extreme stressors of the sauna and the cold exposure, your circulatory system, if untrained, that's going to be very, very strong response, even with just hot and cold water, right? Because if we're condensing or vasoconstricting your blood flow and then warming it up, like that's a pretty severe reaction for me. I know when I first started, uh, my feet and fingertips felt like I was scratching uh, ice. Like it was really, really painful at the beginning. And it's because I didn't gradually increase the exposure time. I just went from, okay, I can handle cold. So let's go extreme hot and cold. So if you're practicing, I'd say contrast therapy in the shower, instead of going hot, cold, go cold, warm, right? And then go back and forth between those two so that the thermal regulation or the, the difference in temperature is not as extreme and then build that up over time. So that's as far as my recommendation with that. Okay, super. That's so helpful. I am excited to get started. So Thank you Excellent. for all of those ideas. Um, can you let listeners know where they can find more of you in your work if they want to talk more into this? Stuff? Sure. Um, I've been over the last year really trying to um, simplify and minimize my um, distractions in life, so to speak. So the only place that you can find me right now, and it's I know it's funny, but it's on Instagram. Um, and the, the handle is askrobertvdh. And I share my practices. I share stories. Uh, I run a, a weekly class called OC Ice Club where I help keep people accountable for their exposure training. Uh, and then I do one-on-one coaching. And it's really looking at your lifestyle and seeing where we can plug and play uh, protocols that I know work with clients versus trying to do something outside of your capabilities and your comfort zone. So the goal is to be on be comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, but the first thing first is we need to look at lifestyle. So that's where you can find me. Uh, you can definitely follow me there. I've got a lot of uh, fun stuff coming um, in the spring of next year with retreats. So if you want to get away from it all and you want to do a crash course, um, I'm teaming up with some yoga practitioners, some mindset coaches, where we're going to incorporate a little bit of everything to give you a tool bag for stress management. And like we said before, it's not about reducing stress. It's about managing it better. Yeah. We all need to, um, add more tools to our tool bag, I think, especially in the modern world. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Robert. This was really, really helpful. And I am excited to get started on some cold therapy. I'm excited to see how it goes. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the functional nutrition podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you got something from today's show, don't forget, subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.